I am completely honored to have this privilege to stand before you here in this moment uh, during this church experience online. Now, for many of you on the North Shore of Lake Superior, mainly from Terrace Bay, Scriber, or Rossport, you know who I am by now. At least I hope that you do, because I would think that you would recognize me as your pastor. But for those who maybe don't know me or are not familiar with who I am, uh, you may have seen me in a, in a promo video this week or last week. Uh, my name is Gary Aduno, and I am the lead pastor here in Terrace Bay at North Shore Church. And I am just, uh, I'm, I'm privileged today to be able to share the pulpit, or in this case, a round table, uh, or in this case, a camera. I am uh, just honored to share this camera with you today uh, with Pastor John from Mar Marathon, and of course, Pastor Meredith all the way in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And so let me just uh, pause this morning, or pause in this moment, and let me just say uh, to all of you who are watching from beyond the North Shore all the way to Marathon in Sault Ste. Marie, or even beyond that, let me just say uh, thank you so much for being here and taking the time this in this moment to, to watch, to listen, to participate, and interact with the Word of God, which is the Bible, the words that God has written to us. And let me just pause and say thank you so much for joining us for this next few minutes as we unpack a few words of wisdom from the scriptures today. My prayer and the prayer of us as pastors is that God would inspire you through the reading of his word, through the preaching and teaching of his word, and that the Holy Spirit would inspire you over these next few moments with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Now, I imagine if you are watching right now in this moment, or you are listening to this moment, that you have had some sort of encounter, at the very least, with the church of Jesus Christ, or you have had an experience with Jesus or the Holy Spirit yourself, and you're discovering and learning more about who God is and how you can know God. And I am just thrilled that you have taken the moment and taken this opportunity to allow your heart and your mind and your life to be changed and transformed here and now, whether that's just changing or, or transforming or expanding your understanding. Maybe you've been a believer or a follower of Jesus your entire life, and you're just saying, look, I'm here to get filled up so that I can go and reach more people. Wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, there is something for you here in the scripture. And I believe that over today, in the next few weeks, as we, as we kind of pulpit swap and share and hear from three different voices, that you will completely be inspired by the Holy Spirit through our words to make a difference in the community, in the province, in our nation, and around the world. My prayer as a pastor today is that you would begin to look at the people around you uh, physically. Now, I know we are socially distanced. We're stay-at-home orders. I'm not around people around me, Pastor Gary. I totally understand. But you know exactly what I mean. Because you can look across the fence. You can look across the driveway. Look across the road. You can go on Facebook and see videos of your friends and family and this and that. These are your neighbors. These are the people that are close to you. And I pray that you are inspired through these next few weeks and beyond to see those individuals, those families, those friends 
as people that God desperately loves and knows and desires that they would know him as well. And what better opportunity for the church to get out of our buildings and see the world around us with a new set of eyes. How many of you have been looking at your window for over a year now? Go ahead and put your hand up in the comments or just hit the like button or the share button or something. But how many of you have been looking out the window and you've seen your neighborhood a hundred times? You've seen the same person walk back and forth a hundred times. Now, I absolutely love where I live. I live on a, on a court or it's like a cul-de-sac. In other words, I live on a dead end street. You do not need to come onto my road unless you are visiting my house or someone on my street. And so one thing that is hilarious about living on a cul-de-sac and living in a court is that you always know when there is a new vehicle or a new person on our street because you don't recognize the vehicle aside from, you know, your neighbor getting a new car or something like that. You know when strangers are around you. It's kind of this funny moment. And if a car has been parked for too long on our street, you can rest assured that someone in the group will say, hey, does anybody know whose car this is? Or does anybody have guests over this weekend? We haven't seen this car move at all. Or, hey, there's a strange car slowly driving through the neighborhood a few times. What's up with that? Does anybody know? In fact, we were guilty of that very thing a few years ago when we purchased the house on that street. Now, maybe you've purchased a house before and you know you're super excited, right? This is a new chapter of your life. This is a huge financial investment. And so what do you do? You get the family. They're all excited. They pile into the car and you start driving and you, you drive up and you slow down, go slowly past the house that is soon to be yours. And that's exactly what we did. And of course, people by that point started to recognize our car and they went, oh, that's Gary and Elizabeth. They're just checking on their house. But for the first little while, people were looking at us kind of funny. You know, you could kind of see the blinds open a little bit, kind of going like, who's that? Why are they driving slow? What's going on here? And we were kind of strangers. We were unfamiliar. And then they finally got to learn who we are. They finally put two and two together. Oh, that's Gary and Elizabeth. That's their family. They're just looking at the house that is soon to be theirs. We understand. We get it. This series, we want to talk about the book of Acts. And this is such an exciting, very exciting book of the Bible. And what is really unique about this particular passage is, is it starts with Jesus. And it's all about Jesus working through his disciples and working through his church. And it's such an exciting time in the history because it's the birth of the church. It's like the very core, the very beginnings of us gathered here across northern Ontario. And it's, it comes all the way back to these moments. It's such an exciting time. God is doing so many incredible things through the book of Acts. And it's just a really exciting time time to be alive. It's also very challenging. There's a lot of a lot of growing pains that they have to work through. A lot of outside pressure and persecution that the church has to work through. Let alone people are new in their faith. This whole experience, this whole idea of becoming a Christian or a follower of Jesus and, and becoming part of something new. It's just there is so many levels. There's so many things turning. Everything is moving quickly, which means that there are problems that we will discover here in just a moment, as well as great victories. 
And all of this, I'm here to tell you now, is absolutely okay. Even today, you would think 2,000 years later, we've got this church thing figured out. And yet so many times, we, we, we do things really well. We have our victories. We're moving along. Things are going super well. And all of a sudden, we're made aware of something, a problem. A problem arises. Uh, there's, there's two people, they're not getting along all of a sudden. Or, or there's all these things that come up. Or, we, or there's a need that exists. And all of a sudden we figure out, well, how do we meet that need? How does Jesus want to intervene in this situation? And, and Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit and he's given us wisdom. and He's given us ways to figure these things out. Now, let me just pause. Let me give you a bit of a disclaimer today. I'm about to cover seven chapters in the book of Acts. And so that kind of means it's a bit of a wide net as opposed to a deep sea fishing type of experience today. And I trust in your pastors. I trust in your previous experience. I trust that you will be able to pick up this book on your own and fill in the blanks at a later time. And if you're listening today on a podcast, I picked up the Bible and you can read through the book of Acts yourself because I'm going to cast a bit of a wider net. Now I'm going to put a little bit of pressure on Pastor John and Meredith because they're going to help fill in some of these blanks a little bit later. But hey, I volunteered to go first and so I get the first say and that's just the way it is. Ha ha. Now if you're in Marathon and in Marathon area, uh, we are very close. You have a very beautiful town. Mine's prettier. Now Sault Ste. Marie, friends, that was, yes, that was a poke and a jab. I love you the same. Sault Ste. Marie, friends, I have spent very little time in your city, but here's some things that I like about Sault Ste. Marie. One, you have some amazing restaurants. Now, I know that I'm talking to a Finnish church today. However, I know that you have a lot of Italians and a good Italian restaurants, and I come from an Italian family, and so that's also number two. I know that's like two in one. It gets better. Uh, number three, you are right next to Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which means that you are next to Interstate 75. And Interstate 75 takes me straight to Disney World, almost, to Florida, and then a little cut over to Disney World. And so you serve as the gateway to my family's vacations, so thank you. Now we have something that we can relate to. We're friends, we're family, we got this. You can trust me. All right, now that we're friends, now that we've expanded our circle here, now that I I get to know you and you get to know me a little bit. Let's pray. Let's read some scripture and let's dive into a few things today. Can we do that? Awesome. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you so much for Jesus today. We thank you so much for sending Jesus to be our Savior, our light of the world, our hope in the darkness. God, we give you praise for Jesus as our Savior, of a forgiver of our sins, who took that weight and that punishment and that guilt away from us. God, I pray that we would experience the freedom of our salvation and that you would give us the words to speak about the great finished work of Jesus that was completed on that cross and was completed as he rose out of that grave. And God, today, I pray that you would speak to us through the reading of your word, that you would bring us closer together as a church family, Lord, spread across northern Ontario. And I pray today that uh, you would be blessed, that you would be praised, that you would be glorified above all things. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, 
Let's jump into the book of Acts. Now, Acts is a kind of a continuation of the book of Luke. And so what we see here, I like repetition. I like being able to watch movies over and over and over again. I like Netflix because I can watch TV shows that I've seen a million times before and I can watch those episodes again and again and again. And so if you read the end of the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, it's very similar to the beginning of the book of Acts. He kind of repeats a few things. And so here they are. Jesus has uh, been resurrected from the grave. He's been, uh, he has revealed himself to his followers and they have become witnesses. Everybody pause right now and type in the comments the word witness. Go ahead, throw it in there. Say witness. Got it? Good. They have become witnesses to Christ's resurrection. And in these final moments on earth, Jesus gives his apostles a few marching orders. He says, look, you know that a time is coming where I am about to leave you, but you will not be left alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And so here's some instructions. And then he says, I'm going to use you for some very important things. Of course, Matthew, in his gospel, he's very simple, very straightforward. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. That's, you know, the book of Matthew. Luke gives us a few more details, and this is sort of the continuation of what Luke says. All right. And so um, let me just jump over here. Um, let's start in verse 7 of Acts chapter 1. Here's what he says. He said to them, meaning Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. And here is what we need to pay attention to right now. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses. And this is where we're really going to capitalize on today. Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now today I'm going to cover Jerusalem and Judea Again, about seven chapters of the books of that book of Acts of what is about to transpire, what happens next. And then next week, we're going to hear from Pastor John and Marathon. He's going to talk about ministry to Samaria. And then Pastor Meredith is going to lead us and, and take us around the world as we see the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, the story of his witness of his resurrection taken around the world and how we can be a part of this story. How the command that Jesus has given to his immediate apostles applies to us today. As I point the finger into this camera, you will be a witness in Jerusalem and Judea, in Samaria to the ends of the earth. Now, say, Pastor Gary, I don't live in Israel. We're not there right now. We can't travel there for COVID restrictions. Well, that is very true. However, your Jerusalem, your Judea is that same neighborhood I was talking about earlier. As you look out the window, whoever you see, you are to be a witness to that person. You are to be a witness to that person. And so here's your first challenge. Here's your first like, I, I dare you moment from Pastor Gary. Are you ready? Why don't you take a minute at the end of today or right now, if you really want to do this, take a moment and click the share button on your device. Whether you're watching on YouTube, on Facebook, hit that share button right now and share it with your immediate friends and family. Those that are your innermost circle. 
I dare you. All right, can you do that? All right, click that share button. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have to admit you go to church. All of a sudden you have to admit that you subscribe to these beliefs, right? It's just one, easy to physically do, but sometimes we get some barriers in the way of sharing our faith. Now, we're going to get there in just a minute. Okay. Acts chapter 1, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. All right, I think we got that down. We got those locations down. The bottom line is, is that God wants to reach the entire world. God didn't come for just one group of people. God didn't come for just one uh, generation of people. But God sent Jesus, his one and only son, so that all may know and live forever with him in eternity. And God has chosen to use you through the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. All right? So he wants to use you. Go ahead and put that in the comments. God wants to use me. All right? Can you do that? That would be fantastic. Now, I'm going to skip over Acts chapter 2 because Pentecost Sunday is coming. And because all of you are a part of a Pentecostal church, you've probably heard the story of Pentecost before. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. I'm going to preach about it coming up in June on Pentecost Sunday. However, we're going to skip that chapter and we're going to head over to chapter 3. And uh, actually, I'm going to pause there for a moment because there's something here that I think is just absolutely astounding. And I should look at my notes so that I don't forget. But... As, uh, as they are standing there, they hear the words of Jesus. It says in verse 9, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. A cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as to where he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here and looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back to you the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And then it says they return to Jerusalem from the hill that they called the Mount of Olives. And then we can go into that details. All that to say is this. It is such a wonder to sit and dream about what God wants you to do. I absolutely love dreaming about what God wants me to do. Now, a few moments ago, I mentioned a family road trip to Disney World. Got to take I-75 right through Sault Ste. Marie. Sounds really good, right? Well, in case you don't know, my family and I, big Disney fans. Now, there's a quote that is, uh, you can't really see it on camera, but it's at the top left of my bulletin board over there. And it says, the best way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing The best way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. I don't know if you know this, but I like to talk. I like to talk and 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 talk. And then by the time I'm done talking, I'm too tired to begin doing. Now, do you have to talk and plan and strategize? Absolutely. Do you have to take the time to dream? Absolutely. But you can only stare into the sky for so long before you need someone to come along and give you a good kick in the butt to get you going. Because the best way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. And that's, in my mind, kind of the picture that comes to me when I see the apostles staring at the sky like... Jesus, you just told us to go and make disciples of all nations. You told us to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we're just in awe and we're just staring into this moment. Ah. And then the angels show up and say, 
What are you waiting for? Get going. Come on, let's go. Well, something really cool happens here in Acts chapter 1. They realize that there's only 11 of them, but God calls there to be 12. And so they say, we, might, we have to find a replacement. And they find a guy named Matthias. And it says Matthias has been with them from the very beginning. Now, a friend of mine years ago preached a message on this passage. I have shared it and I will share it again in the future. But the very simple bottom line is this. Matthias was with the 12. He went wherever the 12 went and the 12 went wherever Jesus went. And that tells us that Matthias heard the teachings of Jesus. Matthias watched the miracles of Jesus, but he was on the outer circle. So we have the 12 apostles. They are on the inner circle. They are the 12 disciples of Jesus. And then Matthias is standing a little bit farther back, kind of behind the 12 as Jesus teaches them, ready and waiting and willing for his opportunity. And finally, an opportunity comes up and Matthias is chosen because Matthias has served faithfully, he's listened faithfully, and he's invited to become part of the 12 apostles. Very cool moment in history, very cool moment in the story, but this is what I get from that. When Jesus calls you to go be a witness, he wants you to put together a bit of a team. He wants you to have a bit of a team. He doesn't want you to do it alone. He wants you to go with someone. Now, Jesus prepares them for this. You can go back into some of the Gospels, and there's a moment where Jesus sends out his apostles two by two to go and, and perform miracles. He gives them the opportunity to go and do that. He's preparing them for their life of ministry. Jesus doesn't want you to do this alone. Maybe you're going to do it as a family. Maybe you're going to do it with your pastor. Maybe you're going to go out with a friend and you're going to, and you're going to bless somebody and be kind and, and be a witness for Jesus in, in, in your community, in your neighborhood, across the fence. But Jesus doesn't want you to do it alone. He's put together a team. We should be a team as a church. We should be working together and encouraging one another, praying for one another. The other thing that you see a lot of in the book of Acts is they spend an incredible amount of time in prayer. All right, so here's something else that I notice. All right, we head over to Acts chapter 3. I said I got to cover a lot today. Head over to Acts chapter 3. It says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at about 3 in the afternoon. All right, so go ahead and... I just said they like to go pray. Here's what they're doing. They're doing what they always do. They have a morning routine. I'm sure you have some sort of routine to your day as well. They're going about their business. They're doing what it is that they do. Nothing fancy, nothing elaborate. And all of a sudden they hear this voice call out to them. And they see this man sitting at the gate called Beautiful. And he gets their attention and so... The man, they gave this man his attention and he says to them, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, taking him by the right hand. They helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And again, you can go ahead and read that in Acts chapter three. Don't let ordinary moments of your day pass you by. Because there are physical needs all around you. There are physical needs all around us. There are great spiritual needs all around us. And as you go about your day, 
don't be afraid to see people the way that God sees them. It's so easy for us to walk by someone with a need and go, oh, that's really too bad that they have a need. You know, there are moments where the Holy Spirit gives us power to do incredible and mighty things for his kingdom. There are moments where the Holy Spirit gives us power to do incredible and mighty things for his kingdom. As you go about your day, don't be afraid to let God speak to you in those moments. Now, maybe it's going to be something as extravagant and elaborate as seeing a lame person walk again. Maybe that simple task is opening your teeth a little bit and giving a genuine smile. A smile can make a world of a difference to a person. It can brighten their day in that moment like you have no idea. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about in that moment, respond. Because He has given you power to do so. All right, let's keep going. So we have, we have the instructions, Acts chapter 1. We got our head out of the clouds, Acts chapter 1. We replace, we build a team, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, we receive power from the Holy Spirit. We're given boldness to speak, boldness to teach. Acts chapter 3, as we go about our day, don't be afraid to listen to the voice and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit might tell you to pause, put on the brakes, and sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you just to go for it. Don't be afraid to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Acts 3.15. Let me just see here what it says in that moment. Ah, it says this. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. So there's Peter is speaking to the onlookers after this moment. And he says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him up. And we are witnesses of this. We are witnesses of this. As followers of Jesus, we, you and me today, are witnesses of his life, death, and resurrection. We are witnesses of dead things coming back to life. And how do I know that to be true? Because the Bible tells us in Romans that I was dead in my transgressions. I was dead in my sins. And at just the right time, Christ died for us. I am a witness to resurrection because I, Pastor Gary, am no longer the person that I once was. I am a witness to my resurrection because Jesus has raised me up with him from death into life. And Jesus has raised you from death into life. You are a witness of your own story. Jesus has raised you from death to life. And believe it or not, the more people that you witness to, the more people you're going to see lives transformed, lives changed, lives made whole again, brand new, you are going to have an opportunity to witness for yourself. Dead things come to life. And so why should we be witnesses to our neighbors? Because we want to see those who are dead in their transgressions, dead in their sins, come back to life, be raised to life, raised to new life. We want them to see the hope that Jesus can bring. You get to become a witness to your own salvation, but to the salvation and resurrection of others. We are witnesses of this. All right, Pastor Gary's getting excited. In case you don't know this, this is what I read in my study today. Here's a quote that I got for you. Enthusiasm. See, I was enthusiastic because it's awesome news, but on purpose. Enthusiasm is the normal condition of a spirit-filled life 
and witness is its in, its inevitable outcome. It's a bit of a tongue twister for me. I know it isn't for you. Enthusiasm is the normal condition of a spirit-filled life, and witness is its inevitable outcome. In other words, I am so excited about this, I can't keep it to myself. Do <laughs> you like that? It's kind of like a toddler throwing out a temper tantrum, right? They are enthusiastic about how they feel. I am so excited and so passionate about the fact that Jesus brings dead things to life that I have been raised up again. I get so excited just dreaming about the possibilities of what my community would look like if every single person took a step of faith and was raised to new life in Christ. My mind can't even contain the excitement when I think of my, my, my friends and my neighbors and our schools and our counselors and our mayors and our administrators. When I look at all of the people, what would our community be like if every single life here was transformed through the power of the Holy Spirit and the resurrection of Jesus? What would my world look like here? There would be no needs. Oh wait, maybe there would, because we're still on this journey of faith together. Head over here to Acts chapter 6, verse 1, and we find an interesting story taking place. Great things are happening. Widows are being fed. Orphans are being cared for. The church is growing daily. They're meeting together daily. They're praying together. They're sharing food. They're eating together daily. Things that we can only dream about right now in lockdown, right? Praying together, eating together, sharing things together. But we see a problem arise in Acts chapter 6. We see that there are Greek-speaking Jews. And their widows are being neglected. Maybe it's just an oversight because everyone's all enthusiastic, exciting. They're just going for it. And they're realizing, hey, we're leaving a few people behind over here. And it's brought to their attention. And so they, they decide, hey, you know what? Uh, there's 12 of us doing really great things, being really good witness. Lord's adding to the number of our followers daily. And it's getting so big we need to put some systems, some strategy in place. We need to increase the circle. We need to empower other people to do the work of the ministry. And so they take seven well-known and well-respected, very good prayerful men, and they say, look, we need you to take on this ministry. And two of these men, Philip and Stephen, they're the ones that we kind of hear about the most. Now, Philip, you can read about him. He has a really cool story coming up in the next few chapters of Acts. That's all I'm going to say, because I don't know if Pastor John wants to talk about Philip. And if he doesn't, you really got to read what Philip goes through, because it's some pretty cool stuff. But Stephen, Stephen is the key to launching us into next week. And let me tell you why. Stephen becomes one of these administrators. They have expanded their circle. They've invited others to become part of what God is doing. And, and they invite these others to become administrators. And Stephen, he gets himself into trouble with the law. And you know the old song, I fought the law and the law won? That's kind of what happens to Stephen. But here is, here is what is amazing about this story. And here's what is important about the story of Stephen is that he goes and he begins to do everywhere he goes. He begins to be a witness for what God has done in his life. He begins to be a witness of what Jesus has done. 
And Stephen is one of the first followers of a follower to perform a miracle. Did you catch that? Stephen is the first follower of a follower. In other words, the disciples are Jesus followers, right? We look at Peter, we look at John. These are Jesus' disciples. He is the one that called them and chose them. And Jesus commands those guys, those 12, to go and make disciples. And so they go and make disciples. Stephen is one of those disciples. And he goes to make more disciples. So Stephen is a follower of a follower of Jesus. We begin to see the pattern start to emerge and grow. And Stephen performs a miracle, which of course is amazing. It's wonderful. Great things are happening. There's great excitement. There's great enthusiasm. Remember, there's lots to be said about enthusiasm being a normal condition of a spirit-filled life. It's okay to be excited when God does something cool. It's okay to tell people about it. But it's going to tick a few people off. It's going to make a few people upset because you're beginning to disrupt their life. You're beginning to disrupt the status quo of how things are. God is doing something new. God is doing something big. God is doing something greater than what we can fathom in our own minds. And sometimes we get a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit upset with what God is doing with somebody else. That's a story for another time. But the point is, is that there's a controversy that takes place. And some Jews are getting very upset because there's a great disruption taking place. And then on top of that, the Roman government is starting to notice that there's a great disruption taking place in Jerusalem and Judea. And there's an issue because that means they can no longer control the will and the actions of the people because they are swearing allegiance to a new king who is not Caesar. And so they are saying, we got to deal with this guy, Stephen. And so they said, let's put him to death. And so Instead of the Romans putting them to death, they kind of just oversee it. And this is where we see Paul, who was known as Saul at the time. He steps back and he watches. And he kind of gives the nod as they begin to stone Stephen. And it says he went to sleep forever and he died. Now, it's amazing that they use the word sleep, which is actually incredibly hopeful for you and I. Because when a believer falls asleep and passes away, that's not the end. That's not the end. And that's our hope in Christ, that we get to live in eternity forever. But this is an incredible moment that's going to lead us into next week. Because at to this point, the church is growing like crazy. But remember going back to Acts chapter 1, it says, Jesus commands them to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Big step, cultural difference, another layer of difficulty, and to the ends of the earth. To this point, they're just loving life. Their head is still a little bit in the cloud. They're still looking up. God's doing some incredible things, but they have to continue to walk in obedience. And yet they're not. They're staying still. They're, in, they're, they're stuck in Jerusalem. And God called them to go beyond the borders of Jerusalem. Jesus told them, expand your circle, expand your witness, go further than what you know, go into the unknown, move forward, take a step of faith. And so next week, Pastor John's going to take us to Samaria. He's going to help you. He's going to help me get to Samaria next week. But this moment in the church's history, they begin to be persecuted. They begin to get kicked out of where they are. You know, it's amazing how God uses the situations around us 
You know, Jesus was never really popular in his hometown. And so don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated if someone decides to kick you out. Just as Jesus says, just brush the dust off your shoulder and keep on going. Go to the next house, wave to the next neighbor, pray for them, move on, because Samaria is waiting. God calls you to go to Samaria and he calls you to go to the ends of the earth. So if you get rejected in Jerusalem and Judea, it's okay, just keep going. Because remember, when we sit there in the clouds, we can dream and dream and dream. There's, there is a lot more vision out there than right in front of us. But don't forget about the world in front of you because that's when people get overlooked. All right. My next step for you this morning is this. Don't be ashamed to be a witness for Christ. Don't be afraid to be enthusiastic about being a witness. Don't be afraid of, of dreaming about the big things that God can do in your own community. I shared it a little bit. What would happen? What would it be like? I can't hardly fathom, but... I can't imagine what it would like to be walking through the streets of Scriber or Rossport or Terrace Bay and waving to fellow followers of Jesus. I think that would just be an incredible moment. Drive to Marathon and everyone you meet in Marathon is just incredibly inspired and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we do a road trip to Sault Ste. Marie and we get to see the same thing, a city just completely consumed by the presence of God, by the witnesses of Jesus' death and resurrection. What an amazing moment that would be. And yet, it's not that far-fetched to think. That's what happened in Jerusalem, and then they started getting persecuted, so they were forced to expand. Let's just keep going. Don't stop now. Don't give up. Just keep on going. Wherever you go, be a witness. Wherever you go, be a witness. Be a witness in your family. We're all stuck at home anyway. Be a witness to your kids. Call the grandkids up. Pull up FaceTime or phone, whatever you got to do. Be a witness. Put on your, your social media statuses something that indicates that you are a witness of Jesus. All right, I've talked too long because I'm in all talk and no action, right? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are such an incredible God. I thank you so much for sending Jesus to live and die for us. And I thank you today for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. I pray over these next few weeks, Lord, you would fill us fresh again with the Holy Spirit. You would outpour your Spirit over us so that we would be an effective witness for your kingdom. That we would look beyond the borders of our walls. We would look beyond the borders of our fence. That we would look beyond the, the restrictions around us. And that we would be a witness for you, Jesus. That we would unashamedly be a witness for you. Give us the strength to stand firm in all that you say, in all that we say and do for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord, as you pray, Jesus, here on this earth, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we say that prayer for here and now, not for a time that's coming, but Lord, would your kingdom come here and now as we witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. God, I thank you for your goodness in your, these moments. In your name I pray. Amen.